Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to episode number 244 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, and today we are doing a little Q&A episode, which I don't think we've done in quite a while. Now, I'm gonna level with you. When there's a Q&A episode on this podcast, it is basically code for Alice can't think of a topic to talk about this week. And you know what? I don't mind being honest about that because when you're nearing 250 episodes, you can start to run a little dry when it comes to ideas. Having said that, there's always still topics that amaze me that we somehow haven't covered. Like last week's episode about rejection and failure. I couldn't believe that was the first time we'd had a whole conversation around rejection on this podcast. Like how are there more topics to discuss than what we've done over the last five and a half years but hey ho it's always fun I'm always surprising myself with finding different things to talk about to do with business but yeah I didn't feel massively drawn to talking about anything in particular today I know the last few weeks on the podcast have been very marketing focused whilst I was launching my new course stop guessing start growing Uh, that course is now being hosted which is so exciting we actually had week number two today I am fresh off the group call and oh it's just a joy the best cohort of people great energy they're all action takers everyone's cheering each other on and helping each other out it is just the best vibes let me tell you so now that that launch is over and I don't need to talk about marketing as much I was like what should we chat about today the world is my oyster so why not let you guys pick I put a question box up on my Instagram stories um, and asked you what you wanted to hear me chat about today and I've picked seven questions at random now I've looked at the questions but I have not prepared my answers at all literally the only notes in front of me right now is a list of just seven questions. So this might be a bit of a chatty episode. Who knows where it's going to go, but I'm sure we're going to have some fun along the way. We've got some juicy questions here around getting referrals, the best time to launch, uh, diversifying your business, coming up with ideas, anxiety, overwhelm, all of the fun stuff we're going to talk about today. So let's get straight into it. First question I'm going to go for is how far ahead in business do you plan? And they said, e.g. weeks, months, years, or depends. Now I'm going to pick option number four there. It completely depends. I am not a big believer in planning like years and years ahead in your business. I don't know about you, but I think especially when you're running a small business and your business kind of really relies on you and kind of your skill set and what you're enjoying and what you're good at, I find it quite limiting to kind of box myself in, you know, five years in advance. I remember in the very early stages of my business, I actually downloaded a business plan from a membership that I was a part of because I obviously thought, do you know what I need to do? I need to write a business plan. Like that's going to make me feel like a successful business owner. Listener, spoiler alert, it just meant I spent five hours on a Word document that left me more overwhelmed than I was at start. But enough on that. What I found particularly difficult about the business plan is it was trying to get me to set these really, really rigid long-term goals. Like in five years, exactly how much money are you going to be making? How? In what ways? And I was just like, that does not feel good to me. Like I want a business that can adapt, that can evolve, not just to what I'm thinking, feeling, wanting, etc., but also to the market. Like, especially when we're running our businesses online, we have to be open to being flexible and learning and adapting as we go. So I don't love being like super specific with my long-term vision. However, I think an element of long-term vision is still really important. The way that I approach this is I am intentional on where I'm going, but I am incredibly flexible in how I'm going to get there. So if you were to ask me, Alice, where are you gonna be in five years time? I can probably 
tell you some vague answers around my impact, you know, the, the kind of income I wanna be making, how I want my work to feel, but could I tell you exactly what my business model is gonna be and what I'm gonna be selling and doing and hosting and whatevering? No. And I don't really have an interest in having that level of clarity long-term. So in terms of my long-term vision, I know what's important to me. I know what kind of mission I'm on. I know what you know legacy I wanna leave, where I want my career to go, what feels exciting to me. But when it comes to kind of being specific with my plans, I tend to think kind of a year in advance downwards. The way I approach goal setting is I think about like on a vague level, where do I want my business to be by the end of the year? So I might think about, you know, I want my business to be more profitable. I wanna scale my business. I wanna be more streamlined, but I won't really think that specifically a lot of the time, a year in advance. Where I get quite specific though, is when I'm thinking about my quarters. So quick answer to this question, which I feel like I've taken a long time to get to, how far in advance do you plan? I'd probably say three months is my typical time in advance. I'm usually looking kind of always three months ahead in terms of knowing like, what am I gonna launch? What might I host? What kind of projects am I gonna be moving forwards? I kind of vaguely know what's happening over the next year, but I don't often kind of nail down dates and exact plans until I'm kind of approaching that quarter of the year. Partly because I don't really feel the need to. My business is just me, I'm quite agile. I don't really do a lot of work in advance. I'm quite responsive with my action anyway. And also partly because I just don't really know what's gonna happen until I get to it. Like I know I'm probably gonna be launching a course in September. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be my podcast course, but I'm like totally up for that changing. I'll probably know I need to make a decision by like mid July, but that is still up for debate. So I guess it depends. It's a bit of a balance. For example, if I'm planning a retreat, which I am right now. I know that I need to plan that about six months in advance, whereas a course, maybe only a couple of months. Sometimes I'll figure something out and then do it the next week if it's something that I can action quite quickly. So the easy answer is it totally depends. Um, but as I hopefully explained there, I tried to have like vague clarity on my long-term vision. I have a North Star. I know what's important to me. I know the kind of direction I'm going in. If you want a spoiler alert on that, for me right now, my long-term vision is really going in the direction of being a speaker and kind of a presenter. That's something I have been bubbling away at as a, as a bit of a goal and a dream for the last few years. It feels like it's finally starting to kind of come to life. So if I had to hedge a bet, that's the direction that my business is going in, is I'm gonna be doing more speaking, more presenting, more facilitating, possibly scaling back slightly my courses and client work, but that's a prediction. I'm not set on that. I'm really open to evolving my business as I see fit and as I need to. So that is my answer to that question. It depends, but I would say it depends for everyone. Like I work with businesses where they have team and they need to plan quite far in advance. I work with businesses who don't really plan in advance at all because they operate in a different way. Like you do you, I think is the answer, but as in you do you with what's gonna be most helpful. Don't just like not plan and hope for the best. You need a plan. You just need to know what style of planning works. Anyway. I should probably prep these answers ahead of time. I feel like they're very wordy, but there we go. That's the fun of a Q&A episode, isn't it? Let's get on to the second question. How do you encourage referrals from past clients? This is a fun question because I feel like if you're a service-based business owner, word of mouth is gold. Like, yep, having your own content and like creating your own, you know, ecosystem of marketing and visibility and nurturing people and blah, 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 is great. But if you can get your past clients talking about you to people, you have struck gold. Like past client referrals are the 
dream. You don't want to fully rely on them because obviously you can't really control them um, as I'm going to explain within this answer. Um, however, they're great. You know, it's people doing marketing on your behalf. Usually if the client that's recommending you is a great fit client, it's usually a good sign that whoever they're going to recommend is a great fit as well. Typically someone who's being referred is a much kind of smoother, easier sell. I never really see it as like selling to people on inquiry calls, but I do notice when someone's being referred, you know, they instantly have more trust in you and they're often more likely to take immediate action because they've kind of got a seal of approval from someone else that they trust. I personally love referrals. They are something that I am always looking at kind of generating more of in my business, but they are quite a hard thing to control. Like a lot of visibility, you know, getting opportunities, building your network, getting referrals, I'd say kind of fits into the same camp where it's like the dream and absolutely you can take action to influence those things happening, but you can't really force it. So a few thoughts on how you can encourage clients to refer you more. First of all, and I know you're all gonna roll your eyes at this, but I just have to mention it. Be really great at what you do. Like if you're good at what you do, you're naturally gonna get referrals without having to really work hard for it. Deliver a great client experience, be great at your job. And those are two separate things, by the way. Your client experience, how you make your clients feel, the systems and processes you use, how efficient your process is, how it is on the client's side, that is a separate thing from how good you are at your thing. I could be an amazing business and marketing strategist, but if my client experience wasn't intentional, I bet I wouldn't have the referrals that I do. I mean, obviously that's also true the other way. In an ideal world, you nail your client experience and you get really good at what you do. And you get really good at what you do, but obviously, you know, making sure what you're doing is actually the best fit for your skill set and for kind of how you show up best. You also, really openly ask for feedback, take that feedback on board. You invest in your own kind of continued personal development. For me, what this looks like is I engage in something known as supervision. Uh, it's typically something actually that uh, life coaches and therapists do. It's actually required for people in those professions, but it's something I do by choice, uh, kind of keeps me at the top of my game, keeps me working with clients in the best way possible. And you know, to use a corporate term, CPD, bit of continued professional development there. Uh, so that's the first thing. You'll get more referrals when you're great at what you do and do you, and you deliver a great client experience. But of course, there's things you can do to encourage a client to refer you. So one thing would be to just ask them. I know that seems really obvious, but like sometimes people just won't do something unless they're nudged to. So even saying like, I've got a few clients based at the moment. Like if you know of anyone in your network, like I'd really appreciate you introducing me to them. Or even just saying like, yeah, if you come across anyone else that you think would benefit from this, like it means a lot for you to share. What you can also then think about is rewarding referrals. Now, obviously you don't want people to refer you just to get a reward, but I like to create, you know, closed feedback loops in my business where if you do something good for me, like I want you to feel good about that as well. So I have a referral scheme where if past clients refer me, it then benefits them. And yeah, like I said, I never want clients to refer me for that reason, but I just think it's a nice way to kind of thank people for taking that action because they don't have to do it. And the other thing I'd say is make it easy for clients to share you in an organic way. So if you're ever documenting your client work, obviously check this with the client beforehand, but if they're comfortable with you like tagging them and talking about them being the client, you'll often then encourage them to reshare and maybe talk about working with you. So even like giving the client some content to work from and to actually use to talk about your work together can also be a really powerful thing there. Like I said, you don't wanna force your client referrals because you want them to come from an organic place. The best referrals will just happen because people like you and what you do and they wanna share. But yeah, there's definitely a few things you can think about there to encourage them. Because like I said, if you've got people referring you, live in the dream, my friend, let me tell you. Right, question number three. 
This is a fun one. Is it better to have one signature offer after a rebrand to build trust in a new niche? So let me just make sure I understand this. Someone has rebranded into a new niche, which if you don't know what the word niche means, it basically means they've like pivoted to serve a slightly different type of person or be known for something slightly different. And they're asking, is it better to have one signature offer to build trust? My answer here would be, I think you can do it either way. I'm not gonna say your business is gonna fail if you don't just stick to one offer. However, I do believe that it's always best. And when I say best, I mean like most sustainable, you know, there's less time wasting, it kind of feels easiest to just nail one thing, do one thing really well, learn from it and diversify from there. When I see people at the very early stages of business, feeling the pressure to have like a membership and passive income and a course and one-to-one and a mastermind and a this, I'm like, whoa, that's where my business was five years in. Like, where does this pressure come from to have all of the things at the start? Don't get me wrong, if you can have all the things at the start and it works for you and it's sustainable and clear for your community and you're nailing all of those things, great. But in my experience, when you try and do everything, you end up doing nothing. Because especially if you are starting out or you're starting out in a new niche, I would look at being in a new niche as like starting from scratch. You're not starting from scratch, but if you see it that way, you're going to be so much more patient with your growth because you kind of are building from scratch, right? Like you are building a new reputation, potentially with new people. So you've got to see it as you're laying those foundations again. And I think when you start off trying to do two many things at once. First of all, you'll feel confused and overwhelmed. Second of all, you won't necessarily do all of those things to the best of your ability. And as I've just talked about, your client experience is king. You'll also find it quite hard to sell many different things at once, especially if you haven't yet built up much of an audience. If you're kind of changing your niche, therefore you're changing who you're trying to sell to. And it'll probably feel very confusing to your community as well. So for all of those reasons, I would say yes, it probably is going to be better or just easier to start with one signature offer, learn how to do that really well. Use that signature offer as a chance, not just to build trust with your community, but also for you to build your confidence and your capabilities in this new niche. Like being really confident in your expertise and your delivery of it is key. So build the muscle and then I think it's best to diversify. I also think as well, like diversification feels great when you're doing it from a place of demand. Like if you build up a really great signature offer and it's booked out or it's, you know, just kind of popular. And then from there you offer something that's maybe a lower price point. It's great because then the lower price point thing is almost seen as like an alternative to that normal offer. And there'll be tons of people there who have been watching you for a while and like wanting to engage and like waiting for something that's more at their like price point or more at what they want to be investing in. I do think it's a matter of opinion. I think you can have a successful business trying to do all the things at once. But for the reasons I've explained, I always think start simple, get great at one thing, diversify from there. It makes many things in business. We're halfway through. Middle question, number four. How to tackle overwhelm when there's a hundred tasks and one of you? I mean, if anyone wants to take the mic right now and tell me the answer to this question, I am all ears because I don't know if there is a simple answer to this question. Part of me has just come to realize that that's how business feels. There is always more work to be done. There is always gonna be more ideas than you have the capacity to execute. And you are always 
gonna feel like you could have done something better or you're slightly failing at something. I don't mean to sound negative. I hope some of you heard that and went, oh my gosh, I feel so much more relaxed. I'm not the only one. Business is a lot. I I actually think if you're not feeling all of those things, that's probably a sign that like something's a bit off with your business. Like if we're not overflowing with ideas and opportunities and we're not analyzing to see where we could be doing better, like I think that's a bit of a like wrong mindset to have. Maybe not wrong's the right word, but I think for me, when I can see room for improvement, that's a positive thing. When I can see all the things that I'm not doing that I could be doing, I'm like, cool, good to see that we've got other things we can do to grow. Like to have options, to have ideas, I think is a green flag. However, to try and do all of the things at once is a red flag. It's gonna lead to overwhelm, burnout, many of the things. Um, So I'm trying to think the way that I tackle this. I guess the first thing I do is I really narrow my vision. I put a lot of ideas in the bin. And I literally do put them in the bin. When I have an idea, I put it on a post-it note and I put it on my wall. And the other day I just had this really cleansing moment where I just took a load of the post-its off and I put them in my bin. And don't get me wrong, three hours later, I took one of them out the bin because I was sad that I wasn't gonna do it. And then I had to put it back in the bin an hour later because I needed to just get over myself. I think sometimes we need to realize that yes, we can do anything, but we can't do everything. I am a huge advocate, just as I've talked about in the last answer actually, of like doing things well, you know, do less, but what you do, do it with excellence. That's a real value that I follow within my business. It's paid dividends over the years. And yes, I've had to kind of put the blinkers on and not have that shiny object syndrome, but it's allowed me to do things in the most sustainable way possible. Now I say most sustainable way possible because I'm still probably doing a million different things at once. I mean, I'm trying to finish a book at the moment and host a course and do client projects and speak at events and blah, 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 blah. However, that's like the shortlist. There's a lot of ideas that you're not seeing. So I think the first thing is narrow your vision. That's where having that long-term vision is really key. You know, what I talked about in that first answer, know where you want your business to go long-term. Know what's important to you. Know what, you know, kind of, purpose you want your business to achieve for you and for others. Use that as your compass, your North Star, help it to help you decide what makes most sense. If I can give you an example here, one of the ideas that I put in the bin, um, which I'm still sad about, it's actually the one that I took out the bin and then put back in the bin, was hosting a summer event. I really wanted to host a summer event this year. I was due to do one a couple of years ago. Good old COVID got in the way and we didn't do it. So I was like, oh, this is the year I'm gonna do it. And then I was looking at my plans for the next few months and I was like, well, if I wanna host a retreat in September, and then I wanna host my big Christmas party in December. And this year I'm gonna be hosting two. I'm gonna do one up north and one in London. I'm just not gonna be able to do this summer event well. And that was the thing I had to think about. Do I wanna do it well? And do I wanna give it my energy and the kind of attention it deserves? Yes. Okay, well then I can't do it. If I'm gonna do all these other things, you need to prioritize. So narrow your vision, I think is the first thing. I think the second thing is looking at your time. So basic, isn't it? But like, look at your structures, look at your habits, look at your rhythms. How and when are you working? How are you managing your distractions? You know, all those crazy amounts of bank holidays we had in May, yes, they were slightly annoying, but I found them incredibly valuable for showing me just how much I can get done when the clock is on. Like when I only have four days, whoa, somehow I get all my work done in four days. Always a reminder to me of like, tasks will take the time that you give them. Sometimes you've got to get in that like self-discipline mode and manage your distractions, you know, put that timer on, put your phone out the room, know what those priority tasks are, tackle them first. I will also say, and I kind of hesitate to say it because I think it sounds a bit like hustle culture, this tip. In fact, it's not a tip. I'm just telling you what works for me is that I've just started getting up way earlier. 
So at the moment, I get up at six midweek every day. I do my priority admin from about half six to half eight. Whoa, there was just crazy thunder outside. I don't know if you heard that. I do my priority admin for the first two hours of the day before anyone wakes up. That way I am moving forwards on the tasks and the projects and the to-dos that are most important before any of my meetings, before anyone else has anything to ask me to do. And that has been a game changer. Now I know that is not a tip that is universally applicable. Maybe you have family, maybe you like to sleep, maybe you have other things you wanna do in the morning. I'm not telling you to wake up at 6 a.m. But I'm just acknowledging that for me, that's the kind of trade-offs that I have to make to make the time to do all the things that I want to do. And I think the final, final thing I'll say on this answer, I mean, I could talk about overwhelm and doing all the things for hours. So maybe this needs to be a separate episode, but is be okay that you're never gonna do everything. Like all of the people you're looking at online thinking they're smashing it, they're doing so much. Wish I could be that productive. I promise you that in their behind the scenes, they are feeling like they're not doing enough. They have a list of unfinished tasks. They have things that just keep, you know, being moved to the next to-do list, the next to-do list. You are not alone in feeling that overwhelm. There's always more jobs to be done. That's just the nature of business. So narrow your vision, know what's important to you, make time for it and take the action. Because ultimately the only thing that gets the job done is getting the job done. And I always have to remember that. That was a very long wordy answer. But like I said, I feel like I could talk about that in so much more detail. And it's actually something I get asked about a lot. It's like, how do you do so many things at once? Um, I sometimes forget how many things I'm doing at once and then I list it out and then I get overwhelmed. So I just like not to think about it. Those are some of my thoughts on that question. The biggest thing I want to do just right now is anyone who's asking that question, just give you a big old hug and be like, you're doing a great job. I promise you, you're doing better than you think you are. Business is hard. You've likely got a lot of other responsibilities and goals that you're trying to manage alongside running a business, which is a lot. So give yourself a bit of grace, celebrate the progress you are making. And I'm gonna finish answering this question before this turns into some weird TED talk. On to the next question. How strategic are you with when you launch something? And the person that's asked this question has then added another question which says, summer feels like a bad time to launch. Is it too quiet? Question mark. Now, this is a very timely question. A, because summer is coming up. And B, because I just finished a launch. As many of you will know, I just finished the launch to stop guessing, start growing. Yeah, I have a lot of launch thoughts swirling around my head as a result of that. Now, timing of a launch is something that I think we can get overly stuck on it's one of those topics that I notice people like over consider if that's even a concept like you know when we kind of think too much about something and it kind of then just stops us from like taking the action and going for it there's sometimes this like perception I notice that people have that there's like a perfect time to launch and their launch will be wildly different if they like just find that perfect time I don't think that's entirely untrue however I'd say the most important things that dictate a successful launch are nothing to do with the timing I think it's so much to do with like your timeline, like how much time you give each phase of launch, the content that you create, the the strategy behind your launch, what you're selling, how clear the messaging is, you know, how much you've primed your audience before selling this thing. You know, I think there's so many other factors that we should be getting more stuck on than timing. However, timing obviously is a factor and I won't lie and say that I don't think about timing with my launches because I do. There are 
in my opinion, better times to launch. And it's hard to kind of give any like hard and fast rules because it's gonna be completely different depending on what you're selling and who it's to. I can obviously speak very confidently from the perspective of someone who is selling to business owners. The biggest things that I notice with selling to business owners, but I mean, I hear it a lot from clients who work with kind of individuals as well. I think a lot of these things are across the board is that as a general rule of thumb, you don't wanna be selling around summer and you also, ideally don't want to be selling around Christmas. Now, obviously, if you're selling a product and it's something that people buy at Christmas, then go for it, sell it at Christmas. But I guess we're talking specifically here about launching, you know, courses or services. Summer, typically people kind of switch off a little bit. They're often a bit less online. People I find as well in summer are just in a slightly different mindset. They're chilling out a little bit more. They're not really thinking about maybe investing in their self-development or their business growth. They're just taking a bit of time off, especially if people have a family. It's actually one of the biggest reasons that I take the whole of August off. I mean, I take a month off because otherwise I'd burn out and I want a personal life. But the reason that I chose August specifically was because I noticed that it was already such a quiet time for my business. It didn't really make sense to do anything in August anyway. So I was like, may as well take it off instead of just trying to keep busy. So I would avoid summer if you can. Uh, As I said, I'd also avoid Christmas time because it can be so noisy with people buying for like Christmas gifts. Often people are spending on different things than, you know, courses, etc. I'd say the kind of typical times of the year that people would launch would be like very start of the year. I'd avoid the very start of Jan. I tend to like a kind of mid to end of Jan, early Feb launch. There's also a real peak around actually when I've just launched. So like May tends to be quite a kind of peak time for launches. You know, it's spring, energy's in the air, but there's still enough time before summer kicks in for people to kind of, you know, complete the thing they've invested in. And there's a kind of third peak in the year around autumn. So again, I'd avoid very start of September. It's similar to the very start of January. It's too busy, people are overwhelmed. I like a kind of mid to end of September, October launch. Some of that is personal preference, but yeah, I'd say if you can be strategic with your timing, I would have it, I guess, anywhere between like mid January to June and then kind of like mid September to maybe like early November. Those would be my suggested timeframes. Now, when you launch within those times, it's a lot of debate of like, should you launch around payday? I personally don't ever think about launching around payday, especially for service-based things because a lot of the people that I work with the business owners, they don't have a payday. I do know though that my clients who sell products, they do launch around payday because a lot of consumers obviously get paid on payday. So they're more likely to treat themselves. So there's things that you can consider, but I would recommend don't get too stuck on when to launch because it might be that that's fear in disguise. You just feel a bit scared. So you're just kind of getting stuck on the details instead of just going for it. Uh, If you really want to get something out there, use the first launch as an experiment. Hey, you might not be launching it the best time but you're better to get it out there and learn and then you can always launch it again when it maybe feels like a better time to launch i would weigh up the pros and cons of delaying launch versus just doing it at a quote-unquote bad time that's my two pence on the best time to launch if you want any other launch tips thoughts if you want to learn from my recent launch make sure to go and listen to the recent episode that i did on that i think it's two episodes back Yeah, which would be 242, I think, if my maths is correct. If I can count 244 minus two, yeah, 242. I shared all of the stuff from my launch, the numbers, my conversion rate, how much money I made, what my launch strategy was, how fear got in the way, what I would do differently, the mistakes that I made. Basically, 
an hour of juicy launch behind the scenes and tips and tricks so if you're launching make sure to go and have a listen to that one uh if i say so myself i think it's quite an interesting listen um although it doesn't really matter what i think does it because you guys are the listeners at the end of the day but anyway that leads us on to our final question which is a very juicy one to end with i might regret ending with this question because i feel like i could just ramble about this for ages again maybe something i should do a separate episode on but this person has asked anxiety and business how do you deal with it now i want to preface my answer by saying when we say like just anxiety you know i'm interpreting that as almost just like the feeling of anxiety like feeling anxious being anxious i know you know anxiety disorder is a very different thing i don't want to be speaking on that i've never been professionally diagnosed with anxiety disorder uh, would i say that i experienced anxiety yes i also actually had really intense social anxiety as a teenager to the point where i didn't like go to public places really it's so odd thinking back because it feels so different to how I am now you know now I'll go on work trips by myself and I live in London but I literally used to not even go into London I was so scared of trains I'd have panic attacks I you know struggled to do my exams in the exam hall like it was a whole thing for me so bit of personal growth moment there to, to see where I am now I would definitely resonate with being someone who experiences anxiety and runs a business and I think the two can kind of slightly wreak havoc with each other sometimes I just think running a business is very anxiety inducing on its own I don't know if anyone resonates with this but I find one of the biggest things that I get really anxious about is kind of the people aspect of running a business I definitely resonate with being a bit of a people pleaser I don't know if it comes across this way but I'm actually really sensitive so if I think that maybe someone doesn't like me or I've upset them or I've disappointed them I will feel really really affected by that in business you know I think rejection is obviously such a big part of business we talked about that in the most recent episode with Liz but even with like you know people I'm following me online or you know trolls especially or having the gut instinct that maybe someone doesn't like me like it's all these things that sound really petty those can really play with my head you know have any of you ever had it where someone sends you like a slightly you know cold email and you're like oh my god my day is over they hate me I'm the worst person ever like that is where my brain goes to so yeah I do really find business can like set my anxious part of my brain off and I can spiral quite easily I definitely found when I was living by myself years ago I would just have like these anxiety spirals all the time because there was no one there to help like talk me down from it or like reason with me whereas I wonder if now it's a bit better because I'll talk to red shirt man who's my boyfriend who I live with or I'll talk to my therapist or I'll ring a business friend and I feel like I'm probably less isolated now than I was in the past but yeah it's a bit of ramble there but I do feel like for me like anxiety interacts with business quite a lot I'm always before an event feeling anxious that nobody's going to turn up um I mean maybe that's fear not anxiety I don't know if you can't tell um I'm careful not to kind of say the wrong thing here but I definitely find it difficult um as I said already I think one of the things that helps is other people so talking it through with others whether that be with you know a business friend that gets it um you know just someone in my personal life or therapy has been invaluable for me as a business owner um at kind of managing my mental health my emotions and my business I feel like those things are are so very connected aren't they even if we don't want them to be and I would say as well probably like social anxiety as much as I feel like I've been on a bit of a journey with like it is something that really still comes up for me because that I worry that people won't turn up to my events I worry a lot afterwards like what did they think of me was it awful I kind of sometimes struggle to trust the evidence my brain just kind of like runs around in circles sometimes um so yeah it's a lot 
And also I think business in general just is full of a lot of unknowns. And, you know, we have so much control, which is amazing, but also there's like no control and it's like anything can happen and like you don't really know what's going to happen and how it's going to go and I think maybe I've just got really used to that but yeah I do think just like your mental health as a business owner is huge isn't it as I said I probably shouldn't have ended on this question because I feel like this has been such a just rambly answer of me basically being like yeah I feel really anxious and I run a business cool that's it but like I said if you're feeling that I guess the biggest thing I'd say is like talk to people about it get some support you know if you want to talk to people that get it get in community with other business owners if you want to talk to a professional for me therapy and life coaching has been invaluable in really helping me to kind of unpick my business affects me emotionally if you're feeling that I guess what I'm trying to say is you're not alone business is tough I think we forget that a lot I don't know if any of you ever find that you like talk to people that don't run a business and you just have this realization of like oh wait not everyone runs a business not everyone chooses to live in like constant fear and worry that you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from and like you know everything's just a bit up in the air oh wow that's crazy that we're doing that every day so pat yourself on the back whether you're running your business part-time full-time whatever it is a lot and I bet you are doing a much better job so that's it for this Q&A episode I feel like a lot of these answers have been very rambly however we're just gonna let it be this podcast has never promised to be polished it's always promised to be real that sounded rehearsed didn't it but anyway I hope you guys have found something in this episode that you have found valuable come and chat to me over on Instagram Alice underscore Benham let me know what you thought of it which answer resonated with you what questions you want to hear me answer in future as I said at the start of this episode uh, I usually do a Q&A when I'm a little stuck on ideas so if there's anything you want to hear on this podcast let me know genuinely I make these episodes to help you guys in your business. So let me know what you want help with. What do you want me to chat about? Which guests do you want me to have on? What topics do you want covered? I am all ears. And also the podcast will be taking a bit of a break over summer. So not many episodes left before we take a bit of a summer break whilst I'm off over August. Make sure that you follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. Never said this really, but leave a review, feel free. If you've liked this episode, feel free to leave a review. That'd be really nice. And I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday with a very special guest you guys enjoyed when he came on the podcast before so he doesn't know it yet but he'll be coming back next week i can't wait to share our conversation with you i'm sure it'll be a juicy one so yeah keep your ears peeled for that goodbye that was a shite ending wasn't it let's try that again keep your ears peeled for that you got this <laughs> keep smashing it woohoo and um, keep all of that in i think it makes me funny and relatable hee <laughs> hee